Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, January 31st. I want to draw your attention to a new podcast that you can listen to, Heartbeat for Israel. The show is hosted by Sharon Sanders, co-founder and director of Christian Friends of Israel, Jerusalem. She has lived in Israel for the past 25 years, building authentic and loving relationships with our Jewish brothers and sisters. Now you can listen to her teachings on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud. Just go to one of these podcast platforms and search for Heartbeat for Israel, and you will find the program there. She brings a unique and much-needed perspective to the table. Here are the titles of some of her teachings. What is the missing link in our faith? Buried in the sands of time, the Jewishness of Jesus. Jerusalem, the throne of the Lord. The red-letter words of Jesus. A paradox, the halt of history. We are partners and friends with this ministry. Please tune in each week and listen to Heartbeat for Israel, and soon you will sense a spiritual heartbeat for Israel. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Beshalach, and it means, When He Let Go. Exodus 14, 15-25 Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am Yahweh. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water 
on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw his forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Israel. Judges 4, 4 to 5, 31. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kedesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out ten thousand warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied. I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. At Kedesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and ten thousand warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law Hobab, had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zainanim near Kedesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all nine hundred of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Harasheth Hagoyim to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Get ready, this is the day. The Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his ten thousand warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harasheth Hagoyim, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there is anyone here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and tent peg in her hand. 
Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. She said, Come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead, with the tent peg through his temple. So on that day Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin, until they finally destroyed him. On that day Deborah and Barak, son of Abinuam, sang this song. Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord! Listen, you kings! Pay attention, you mighty rulers! For I will sing to the Lord. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you set out from Seir and marched across the fields of Edom, the earth trembled and the cloudy skies poured down rain. The mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord, the God of Mount Sinai in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads, and travelers stayed on winding pathways. There were few people left in the villages of Israel until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. When Israel chose new gods, war erupted at the city gates, yet not a shield or spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. My heart is with the commanders of Israel, with those who volunteered for war. Praise the Lord. Consider this, you who ride on fine donkeys, you who sit on fancy saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road. Listen to the village musicians gathered at the watering holes. They recount the righteous victories of the Lord and the victories of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord marched down to the city gates. Wake up, Deborah, wake up. Wake up, wake up, and sing a song. Arise, Barak, lead your captives away, son of Abinoam. Down from Tabor marched the few against the nobles. The people of the Lord marched down against mighty warriors. They came down from Ephraim, a land that once belonged to the Amalekites. They followed you, Benjamin, with your troops. From Maker the commanders marched down, from Zebulun came those who carry a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah and Barak. They followed Barak rushing into the valley. But in the tribe of Reuben there was great indecision. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben there was great indecision. Gilead remained east of the Jordan, and why did Dan stay home? Asher sat unmoved at the seashore, remaining in his harbors, but Zebulun risked his life, as did Naphtali on the heights of the battlefield. The kings of Canaan came and fought at Tanakh near Megiddo's springs, but they carried off no silver treasures. The stars fought from heaven. The stars in their orbits fought against Sisera. The Kishon River swept them away, that ancient torrent, the Kishon. March on with courage, my soul. Then the horses' hooves hammered the ground, the galloping, galloping of Sisera's mighty steeds. Let the people of Moroz be cursed, said the angel of the Lord. Let them be utterly cursed, because they did not come to help the Lord, 
to help the Lord against the mighty warriors. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. May she be blessed above all women who live in tents. Sisera asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him yogurt. Then, with her left hand, she reached for a tent peg, and with her right hand for the workman's hammer, she struck Sisera with the hammer, crushing his head. With a shattering blow, she pierced his temples. He sank, he fell, he lay still at her feet, and where he sank, there he died. From the window Sisera's mother looked out, through the window she watched for his return, saying, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why don't we hear the sound of chariot wheels? Her wise women answer, and she repeats these words to herself. They must be dividing the captured plunder, with a woman or two for every man. There will be colorful robes for Sisera, and colorful embroidered robes for me. Yes, the plunder will include colorful robes embroidered on both sides. Lord, may all your enemies die like Sisera, but may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. Then there was peace in the land for forty years. Matthew 20, 29-21-22 As Yeshua and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Yeshua was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When Yeshua heard them, he stopped and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, We want to see. Yeshua felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly, they could see. Then they followed him. As Yeshua and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Yeshua sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, The Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Yeshua commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Yeshua was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in the highest heaven! The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Yeshua, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Yeshua entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. 
He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Yeshua, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Yeshua replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, You have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany, where he stayed overnight. In the morning, as Yeshua was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Yeshua told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Psalm 25, 16-22 Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. O God, ransom Israel from all its troubles. Proverbs 6 12 to 15. What are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of the eye, a nudge of the foot, or the wiggle of fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil, and they constantly stir up trouble. But they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant, beyond all hope of healing. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion reading from Exodus chapter 14, and I actually want to backtrack a little bit and look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Now, the context of this verse is that the people are murmuring and complaining and grumbling, and they're very afraid because the Egyptians are hot on their tail, and they they believe they're going to get killed and wiped out. Some of them want to turn around and fight them. Some want to turn around and go back and be slaves. And they're just really upset and crying out. And so Moses, in verse 13, he speaks to the people, and this is what he says. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. Now I want to unpack that. He says, see the salvation of the Lord. And if you were reading that in Hebrew, it would be see the Yeshua 
of the Lord. It literally says, see the Yeshua of the Lord. In Hebrew, the word salvation means Yeshua. So when it says, see the Yeshua of the Lord, what that translation is, is see the salvation of the Lord. Yeshua's name means salvation. And so this is a very powerful verse, and it's a direct uh, remez hint pointing us to Yeshua. The next verse, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. In other words, Yeshua is going to fight for you. So then we continue on in this section, and, and it shows how the Egyptians followed them into the sea. And um, then as it, it must have been an incredible thing to see. The Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. And so then the children of Israel went out into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the middle of the sea. But then the Lord caused their chariot wheels to go with difficulty. They got torqued. They got twisted. They weren't working right. And it's, and the Egyptians became afraid. They said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And so, you know, when we continue on with this tomorrow, we're going to see that the Lord tells Moses to stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians and upon their chariots and their horsemen. Now, I've talked with you often about this principle, biblical history is prophecy. As it was with our forefathers, so it shall be with the last days, final generation, just prior to the return of the Messiah, Yeshua. And so those events that happened historically that we're reading about literally happened, but they are also a prophetic blueprint and a template for the last days, final generation. So, you know, when in in the biblical view, the Hebrew view of time is that it is a cycle. It is like a spiral staircase. Whereas the Western mindset is that we view time as linear, like a river. You look upriver to see the past. You look in front of you to see the present. You look downriver to see the future. But the Hebrew mindset is it repeats. History repeats itself. It's a cycle. So is this going to happen again? I believe it will, but in a much greater way. Well, let's take a look at another passage in the Bible that indicates a future exodus where waters are parted once again so that the people can escape and they walk across the waters on dry land. I'm going to take you to Isaiah chapter 11. And this is describing um, the ingathering of the outcasts of Israel, the exiles of Israel. And that includes us. It's not just talking about the Jews. It's all 12 tribes. Judah is one of the 12 tribes. So we'll start in Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 12. He will set up a banner for the nations, and he will assemble the outcasts of Israel. That includes you and me, my friend. And gather together the dispersed of Judah. That includes the Jews. Israel is the non-Jews, the ten tribes of the north, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel who are outcast. And the Judah 
is a reference to the southern kingdom, to the Jewish people. So he will assemble the outcasts of Israel, the non-Jewish part, and gather together the dispersed of Judah, the Jewish part, from the four corners of the earth. Also, the envy of Ephraim, that's a reference to the northern kingdom, shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah, the Jews, shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. This is talking about the wall of hostility and misunderstanding and even persecution that has been there between Jews and Christians for centuries. We've had the Holocaust and the Crusades and uh, the pogroms and all of the horrible things. We have blood on our hands with all the persecutions against the Jewish people over the centuries. So this verse is a promise that this dysfunctional family of God that has been at odds with each other for centuries, that God is going to heal that breach. And he is in the process of doing that right now. So the envy of Ephraim is going to depart. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. Verse 14. We're getting to the punchline here. But they shall fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines toward the west. Together, that's Judah and Ephraim, they shall plunder the people of the east. They shall lay their hand on Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon shall obey them. So Edom and Moab and Ammon are all enemies of Israel. Um, And so, verse 15, the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt. With his mighty wind, he will shake his fist over the river and strike it in the seven streams and make men cross over dry shod. Now, this is future prophetic. He will do this. This is something he's going to do in the future. He's going to utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt with his mighty wind. He's going to shake his fist over the river and strike it in the seven streams and make men cross over dry shod. So this is another time in the future where we're going to see a similar kind of an event like when the children of Israel went through the Red Sea. Now, will he do that with all seven oceans? I don't know. Is it literal? Is it going to be just at the Sea of Egypt? Or is this... um, Uh, figurative language, and he's going to do it at all seven oceans and part the oceans for people on their journey on the greater exodus. I don't know, but it is telling us that there's going to be another time in the future when he's going to part the waters and people are going to walk across through that body of water on dry ground. Verse 16. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people who will be left from Assyria, as it was for Israel in the day that he came up from the land of Egypt. Now, there's a direct comparison of this event that's described that's future, and it's being compared to when Israel left Egypt. So this event that's described in these verses has not happened yet. It's future prophetic, and it makes a direct comparison. It's similar to the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. So those who are left from Assyria. Well, what is that? The northern kingdom was taken captive 
and went into exile to Assyria. Ancient Assyria is modern-day Iran, Iraq, Syria, that whole northern region to the north of Israel. And they never returned. And from there, they were absorbed, they were assimilated, and then from there, they were scattered to all the nations of the earth. So is it literally a highway for people, uh, for the remnant of his people who are left in Assyria in the Middle East? Or is it more figurative that all of us, our ancient, ancient forefathers who went to Assyria, and then, you know, there was tremendous migration from there. Is it more a picture of an ingathering from all the four corners of the earth? That I don't know. That's something that is open for interpretation and open for discussion. Um, but these verses definitely are talking about this final greater exodus and that God is going to do a remarkable thing again. And he's going to part the waters again. And beloved, I pray that we are living in those days. I pray that I live to see this happen. I pray that it's not 500 years off or 100 years off or 50 years off. I pray that it's in our lifetime that we see Yeshua return and ingather his people and bring them on that journey home out of the land of our enemies. Because my friends, the tyranny is rising. The global tyranny is rising. The medical tyranny um, and the lockdowns and the digital prison that they are building, it's, it's greatly increasing. And the tyranny is, is increasing. So we are living in days that are not that different from what it was like for the Hebrews when they were living in Egypt. And we need Yeshua to bring forth his redemption and his deliverance for us today. So I pray, I, uh, this is an exciting thing. This is a wonder, wondrous thing that we will behold. And it's something that we can hang on to and trust him that we would see this in our lifetime. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.